you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Addison here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison, and you're joining me right now for Wednesdays with Will. I'm glad that you're able to be with me today. It's going to be a great show. We have a special guest that will be on with us uh, in the next segment. But, but first, I want to make sure I get these an- announcements through. Uh, if you want to email us, make sure... You can you uh, go to Addison's at AFR.net, Addison's, A-D-D-I-S-O-N-S at AFR.net, and I will get your email there. If you want to follow us on Facebook, you can. Just search for Airing the Addison's. Also, if you're there on Facebook, Facebook you can uh, watch the broadcast live right now, and it's only just me, so, you know, I don't know if you want to see that. Brother Jeff, you might see him from time to time, but... Uh, you go to uh, Eric Addison's to search that out. We have our Marriage Family Life date night coming up in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, August 24th. Uh, that'll be from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Just a great time for us to celebrate marriage. Uh, we always have a lot of fun. We play a game. We have a meal together. And uh, Miki and I, we speak uh, uh, the word of God, just con- uh, confirming and celebrating and appreciating marriage. You know, with the times that we're living in now, The church has to do a better job of celebrating marriage, you know, uh, sticking to the standard of of biblical marriage. And so we want to really do that. Uh, If you want to register, if there are slots still open, uh, it has to be done by August 17th. I know our producer, Jade, was saying that there were only 14 uh, spots left. I'm not sure. I haven't talked to her today about it, so I don't know if those are all filled. But you can go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. Dot net to register. We need you to register. So uh, if you can do that, marriagefamilylife.net. Also, if uh, you want a clear and concise teaching on a, a biblical response to critical race theory, you go to uh, afastore.net and you can pick up a two-part teaching done by Miki uh, on, on that topic. It's very clear. I know there's a lot of different terms associated with uh, CRT and things seem like things are constantly changing. But uh, she really does a, a great job just breaking down, you know, what it is, how, how it came about, you know, some of the history behind it. And so uh, just a great resource for you to have, uh, for your church to have. So go to AFAstore.net. Also, we are still in the National Truth for You Bible Week here on AFR. Uh, Revival Fires International is giving one free Truth for You Bible to every student between the ages of 13 to 18 who promise to pass it along to a friend this school year. So the Truth uh, For Youth Bible consists of the entire New Testament in full full color comics that present the gospel and moral truths. Uh, The Truth For Youth Bible is now available in Spanish. Uh, There's two ways that you can get it. Uh, Go visit truthforyouth.com, order online anytime, or call 800 
733-4737. Now you can only uh, call between the hours of 8.30 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. And so uh, if you want those Bible make, Bibles, make sure you do so. It's a great ministry, and we need the Word of God everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, everywhere we can get it. Um, so today, we're going to have a, a special guest on, I said, like uh, in, the, in the second uh, segment. And, you know, I usually don't do guests. I usually just uh, speak and, you know, what, what the Lord has laid on my heart. But today is going to be a different day. And some of the, the subject matter may be a little sensitive. So I want to give a disclaimer uh, before we even get into it. Uh, but it's some things that we really need to talk about. Now, a few weeks back, I spoke uh, on one of the Wednesdays with Will about pornography. And the response from that show was was very great. Now, it wasn't because, you know, I, I knew as far as the stats are concerned that that's a huge issue, not only in the world, but within the church. But a lot of times we don't like to talk about those type of things in the church, you know, because there's shame associated with it. Guilt uh, is just an embarrassing thing. Uh, sometimes we just don't want to uh, let go of the sin that we have. So we, you know, hide it. Uh, you know, there's just so many reasons. But I think there's so many people, as far as the numbers are concerned, that are oppressed by by this uh, sin, you know. And I gave my testimony of how God delivered me. And, you know, even in that, there are still temptations. There are still things that happen in the, in the culture that we're living in. You can't go anywhere without seeing something at, on TV, on your phone, on a device. And it's really set up for us to lose. This culture is set up for us to lose. Um, the, the stand of God of God is not appreciated uh, within this world. And we know that. And so we got to be vigilant on this topic. But one thing I was thinking about is in the church when it comes to uh, us being the family of God, which we are, we have been adopted into the beloved family of God. And because of this, we have brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we don't say brother this and sister that just for show. We are literally uh, joined together by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are family. But one of the things that we do a terrible job at is really being transparent with one another Really, you know, finding relationships within the church, uh, uh, you know, younger men and older men, younger women with older women to be able to be discipled and to talk about different issues and areas. And, I, and man, it really does a number on us, you know, as a church, because we hide out with certain things going on in our lives. Nobody knows about them. And man, you know, we're we're dying right there on the pew. Right there on the pew, we're, we're, we're dying, you know, because we have not uh, been able to release certain things. We have unforgiveness in our hearts. There's bitterness. There's uh, secret sins and all kind of things going on. And yet at the same time, we want to, you know, shout out and cry out for revival. But yet we're, we're saturated in sin. You know, we, we are not transparent with our brothers and sisters. We are holding things against people. And that's just not going to work. We cannot treasure sin within our hearts. We can't harbor unforgiveness and things like that and think God is going to move on our behalf. That's very, very naive of us to think so. We are dealing with a holy and a righteous God. And so that was, that, as I was thinking about the show today and some of the things that we're going to talk about, I was like, man, we do a terrible job of being transparent with one another. And I know as a man, 
it's hard for men to talk to other men about things that are really going on with them. You know, and it, it, do, it does not have to be like uh, always sinful things, but just, you know, things in life. We try to guard ourselves and hold it back, you know, and it really does detriment to, to our, ourselves, you know. But I was reading in Galatians chapter 6, and I want to share this real quick, and because we have to do better. We're like I said, we're living in a in a in a world that's saturated with sin. Everywhere we look, there's an opportunity for us to stumble, for us to fall. And we need each other. God placed us within the family of God for, for a reason. It was on purpose that we are family. So when I'm looking at another brother, and you know, I have things going on in my life, and I feel like, man, I want to talk to somebody about this. There should be a freedom there to go to our brother, to our, uh, our, our brother in Christ, you know, and be able to share these burdens and these things that's, that's going on. There shouldn't always be this uh, hesitant stance or this like, oh, I don't know what they're going to think about me. We got to get over that. Oh, man, this is kind of embarrassing. If we want victory in our lives, we have to find that, you know, within the body of Christ, we find that that safety you know, uh, that prayer for one another, intercession, you know, being able to, to talk about issues within the, the body of Christ. I'll tell you like this. I'm closer to people within the body of Christ than I am my biological family, some of them, you know, because we have something in common that goes beyond, you know, just flesh and blood. But we still do a, a terrible job of being open with our brothers and sisters. Now, the thing is, sometimes, you know, there may be an um, untrusting heart there. Maybe something has happened where you feel like, man, I can't just tell. And that's right. I don't think we need to share personal business, you know, with everyone. But there should be a brother in your life. There should be a sister in your life that you're, you're able to share, you know, some of the things that are going on with you. And, yes, if you're married— you should be able to share those things with your spouse. But I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that men need other men to be able to uh, link up with and say, man, this is going on with me. Man, can we pray? Man, can you hold me accountable? Can we talk about this? You know, I don't want to hide this. I don't want to harbor this in my heart. We have to be real because we're only hurting ourselves when we're, when we're trying to, like, be on an island somewhere. In Galatians chapter 6, and I'll start at verse 1. It says, Brethren, uh, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one, how? In a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Now, the thing about this is it says if if there's a brother that's caught in a trespass before before uh, we even get to the part of being caught, man, if there's something going on with you right now and you know that you're struggling in sin, wouldn't it be great for us to take the initiative and say, brother, this is what's going on with me. I have this problem right now. I can't seem to kick it. I need 
not only uh, just, you know, for you to pray with me, but I need to talk to you. I need to get this out in the light. I need for you, for you to know what's happening with me because I'm tired of this. You know, it has to be something that's, uh, that we take initiative in doing. You know, in John chapter 3, and we know uh, 3.16, it talks about God so loving the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then you read on in verse 17, For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Verse 19, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. See, if you're in a place where you love the darkness, well, you're not ready for what I'm talking about right here. This, this probably does not apply to you. I'm talking about those brothers, those sisters who you're like, man, I have this stuff going on in my life. I'm ready to shed some light on this. I need to go to a, a brother and, and tell him what's happening with me. Someone that I can trust that's going to hold me accountable. Not going to just tell me what I want to hear, but someone who's going to say, man, OK, yes, that is wrong. Let's pray. You know, that's going to check up on me. That's going to say, hey, man, how are you doing in this area? We need that. We can't be Lone Ranger type Christians. And we have so much of that within the body of Christ. And like I said, the nature of, of some of these sins, they thrive. They thrive in darkness. And so when we shine a light on those things, man, not only does the sin get exposed, but we get freedom. We gain freedom. And so I want to encourage us, man, today, man, woman, listening to me, pray to the Lord and ask him to show you a person that you can confide in and talk to who's a spiritual person, who is a strong Christian. If you have something going on that you'll be able to share that with them so that you can gain freedom. We need to pray for one another that we may be healed. Pray for one another. But we have to be transparent. We have to be open. And we have to be sick of our sin. We have to be ready to let it go. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. We'll be right back after this. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow cross before me the world behind me is the cross 
Addison's here on American Family Radio. I'm your host, Will Addison. You're listening to Wednesdays with Will. And as we're trying to get our guest on, I want to continue on with what we were talking about. Because when it comes down to it, like I said, we are, have been placed within the family of God. It's a family. Um, and just like in <laughs> biological families, there are, there are problems, there are situations that arise, there are things that happen, you know, that we have to work through. Is the same way within the body of Christ. But man, you know, what a beautiful thing it is that we're not left to our, ourselves. But a lot of times we live as though we're left to ourselves. We, we live as though we're on this island. You know, we can go to churches. Uh, and uh, just I'm not trying to in, in, uh, just talk about, you know, certain churches, but there are churches out there you can go and you can hide out in. You know, nobody can know your name, <laughs> you know, Um you can dip in, dip out. You can feel like you have uh, done your duty for the particular uh, Sunday or Wednesday or whenever it is. And that's not the way that it has been uh, intended to be. God did not intend for us to be lone rangers. And so, but it's happening. And so when we operate in that way as the church, when we have things in our lives, who, who do we go to? <laughs> when we have situations that arise, when we have um, sins that we're dealing with and things happening, who do we go to? Well, we don't have any relationship built, you know, within the local assembly that we're, we're attending. Man, we don't find that person to go to. And then what happens? We try to deal with it in ourselves. We, we're struggling. We're battling. Things are happening. And we can't, you know, get the victory. But we are scared to talk to somebody about it. You know, and this happens. This is a, a phenomenon that's going on, like w- within the body of Christ. You know, we've set up our churches uh, to to where it's almost like just a big social club meeting that you have a certain status symbol by being a part of a certain church. You know, it, that's just the way it is. Some pastors, they operate like CEOs instead of pastors. You know, they have great business models. Man, these are the things that are, that are happening. All the while, you have people dying on the vine. They're dying, you know? Man, we have to change things up. We can't, you know, my brother Abe, he calls it uh, churchianity. <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. We know how to church. We know how to get happy, you know? We know how to feel something in church. We know how to, you know, we know how to sit there and amen and, and, and all of that. But, man, there's no real change that, that happens in our lives when we're not connected to the body of Christ, really. And so the thing is, what I was talking about in the first segment, is that we are part of a family and that we have to be transparent. We have to be open. We have to be ones that are willing to stretch ourselves and to have relationships with our brothers and sisters. You know, for me, it's, it's, it's a, uh, I won't say a stretch, but I'm not a, a very outgoing person. 
you know. Uh, Miki's way more outgoing than I am. And so it's a stretch for me to open up and to let people in and to, you know, uh, meet new people and do all that kind of stuff. But, man, it's worth it. It's worth it. How will we be able to, you know, uh, be joyful with those who are joyful and mourn with those who, who mourn? How will we be able to do that if we're bottled in, you know, hiding out with our secret things going on? How will we be able to do that? We won't, we won't be able to have the victory if we will work against the way that, that God has created it, that we are in the body, that we are in the body of Christ. And that he's given us brothers, he's given us sisters, he's given us people to, to uh, work alongside with, to grow alongside with. You know, if he, he's given us uh, that accountability built into our families and all those things. You know, we would be silly, we would be silly not to use that, not to use those relationships, not to, you know, reach out our hands and say, I need help in this area, can you help me? I was reading from John chapter 3, and we usually stop at 16. You know, that's the John 3.16 is a verse that you'll see plastered everywhere. You know, you'll see it. If you're watching a football game, you used to see it on, like, signs. <laughs> you used to see it everywhere. But when you go down to verse 19, this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Where are you? Are you one that operate in darkness. Do you want the light? You know? Is it one of those things where your your deeds are are evil because you operate in darkness? And I, you know, we're gonna talk to our guest, and I'm I've been intrigued by his 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 book because he talks about even uh practical relationships like relationships that we can get into. And if we're not careful and don't have boundaries up that they can lead into things that we don't want them to lead into. You know, um, we have work relationships. We have different things going on, you know, and if we don't have boundaries up with opposite, opposite sex, you know, things can happen that we didn't plan for. So I want to uh, introduce our, our guest, Dr. Greg Jantz. He's a certified eating disorder specialist, certified chemical dependency counselor, nationally certified psych, uh, psychologist and a licensed mental health counselor. The author of 39 books, Dr. Jantz, is the founder of The Center, A Place of Hope, listed as one of the top 10 facilities for treatment of depression in the United States. Uh, he brings a message of hope and healing to audi audiences through seminars, conferences, and the media. And he's appeared on many, many shows that you probably have watched. But I want to talk to him today, you know, about his book, uh, too close to the flame, Doctor Jantz, are you with? Are you with me? Hello, Doctor Jantz. Doctor Jantz, are you with me? Okay, I can't hear him. Doctor Jantz, are you with me? All right. 
Well, we'll try to get them on if we can. But until then, let's continue on. And so I've been uh, reading the book of Acts. And there were two instances in the book of Acts. One where Peter, when they were being uh, persecuted, uh, they were being told not to um, preach any longer in Jesus' name, right? They were being told that if you, if you do this again, you'll be in trouble. Now, in that situation, Peter and John, they went back and they told of everything that happened. They went back to the fellowship. When, that, when they needed boldness, they went back to the fellowship. They went back to the, the people that they knew, their family. And that one instance where, you know, they went back and they prayed and the house was shaken. They were given boldness. But that came in the context of going back, relaying to the brothers and sisters what was happening in the, in the persecution that had t- taken place. They went back and they received strength. And look, the, the times we're living in, if we don't have that local fellowship, if we don't have those brothers and sisters, man, we're going we're gonna to be severely weakened. We're going to be severely weakened. I talked to uh, our kids on Sunday uh, at our church, and I was talking to them about Daniel and how when Daniel uh, found out the news that King Nebuchadnezzar that King Nebuchadnezzar uh, wanted to kill all the wise men if they did not only tell him the, the, the dream that he had, plus give the interpretation. He was going to kill all the wise men. So Daniel had got wind of this because what? Daniel was one of the wise men, right? As, long as, as well as his companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Azariah, Hananiah, Mesiel, the Hebrew names. And so... What did Daniel do? He got all of the details. He found out about why the king wanted to kill the wise men if they couldn't do this certain thing. Now, these other wise men, they, they said, King Nebuchadnezzar, this is impossible. No one around here can tell you your dream, can tell you your dream and give you the interpretation. What did Daniel do? Daniel went back to his companions, to his friends, and he sought God. See, we need the body of Christ. You know, we need the body of Christ. We have to have those people around us that we're able to go back to, right, when we're in a hard time, when we're in a sticky situation, when there is some sin happening in our life that we can't get over. Like, we should have people there that we're able to say, this is going on. Man, can you help me? Now, I understand that we may have our guest on. Uh, Dr. Jens, are you there? I am here. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I am alive and well and looking forward to sharing with you today. Awesome. Man, so I started to read your book, uh, Too Close to the Flame. And I'm telling you, you're talking about practical stuff. Um, it's just, it's, it's a great work. You know, I'm going to continue to read it. But man, already, and I want to ask you about a particular cha- uh, chapter that um, I read. But to, to get us started, what was your purpose and your, your reason for writing this book? What were you seeing out there in culture happening that said, man, we got to do this. We have to write this book. Well, you know, um, we have noticed the increase of really what I'll call sexual boundary violations mm-hmm. uh, and situations uh, that we work with on a daily basis. And we work with folks who 
uh, travels to be with us from all over the country. And one of the things that we're seeing, and it's in the news, it's in front of us, but we take the governor of New York, we just, mm-hmm. so many examples yeah. um, of what's happening when relationships become sexualized. Yeah. So I believe um, this is an area that we all need to be aware of. Yeah. Um, and Unfortunately, during this time, there are accusations that are made that are that are um, unfair or a lie. But we know that most of them are uh, situations that are true. Mm, mm. You know, in in the beginning of the book, you talked about the different uh, kindling, and I and I read through that. I was like the movies, television, you know, all these different. And it's so true that everywhere you look. Everywhere you look, it seems like there's something like that you would watch that's sexualized. And it's almost like as a man trying to live a godly life, how is there any hope? You know, when we're when we're seeing so many different images and things and not even on, on purpose. Can you talk a little bit about that, that kindling, you know, and what it does to our culture? Well, we live in a sexualized c- culture you know, a, a billboard, um, mm-hmm. magazines at the supermarket. I mean, it's right. everywhere. Everywhere. Um, yeah. And and so there's a saturation of sexual um, images, mm-hmm. and this is something that we need to be aware of because some of it, uh, I'll call it intrusive. Uh, you didn't ask to have something flash before right. you, but right. it, it was there. Right. Um, and so there's that, and <laughs> then there's the uh, dwelling on uh, sexual situations or mm-hmm. images, mm-hmm. the use of pornography, mm-hmm. digital, uh, digital addiction, uh, etc. So the thing about about sexualized relationships is we know that on a continuum it can keep going and going, and there can be a sexual addiction. Uh, so the the continuum, though, ends at a place of despair, mm. where this is such a stronghold in a person's life. Yeah. That um, and and really depravity and 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 things enter in that, uh, and most people will say, "I can't believe how far I let this go." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the thing because you talk about relationships, and we we have a break coming up soon, but I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about that uh, even after the the break because. Uh, in the beginning of the book, you talked about how after the, 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 the wars and stuff like that, when the women went off to to help, you know, in the factories and things like that. And then the war was over. Not all women desired to go back to the home life. You know, some uh, wanted to work, continue to work and how things shifted and changed. And now we have these relationships that we have uh, even now every day. Well, in the workplace and different scenarios is uh, is mixed. And how that has changed our, our culture. So what I want to do, I want to we're going to go to this break, but I want to ask you about relationships and how to set up those boundaries and what things we should be looking for in our own lives to see if we have uh, entered into inappropriate uh, relationships with the opposite sex. All right. This is Erina uh, Addison's here on American Family Radio. We'll be back right after this with Dr. Gregory Jantz.
This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will, and I'm joined today by Dr. Greg Jantz. Uh, his book is called Too Close to the Fire, uh, to the Flame, I'm sorry, Too Close to the Flame. And uh, man, it talks about relationships and how we should have our boundaries within the relationships. I, I want to ask Dr. Jantz, um, because these relationships are so prevalent, you know, you're going to have mixed uh, company as far as, uh, you know, church relationships work relationships what are those things that uh, we should be looking out for to to see if uh, our relationships are have entered into an area where it shouldn't have entered you know two things we always look for um, how much time do people spend together it could be workplace mm-hmm. or and then is that time um, more alone or private time mm-hmm. We look at the amount of time, and then we look at the what I call intensity. Um, what's bringing people together hmm. um, in the workplace? Maybe uh, two people have been assigned a project to work on, and mm-hmm. they're working uh, independent or dependent on each other, and they're mm-hmm. seeing each other. And maybe it's an exciting work project. Mm-hmm. Well, there's time plus intensity. Right. So those are two things we always look for. Um, there's, uh, unfortunately, sometimes in churches we'll see uh, maybe it's uh, uh, the intensity of, of, of worship hmm. and people who spend uh, time and rehearsal together alone. You know, mm-hmm. any kind of situation that brings us together um, that there's really not protection around. Yeah, yeah. And this would be, as I'm hearing you speak, uh, this is one of the, the chapters that, that stood out to me, uh, the power of partnering <laughs> and, uh, and how, you know, you have these different relationships when you're working towards a goal and you might have to spend longer hours, you know, doing something t- together for a project, you know. But then if you don't have um, those boundaries like clearly laid out, then, you know, things can kind of seep in you know and it can kind of come in um what's the importance of those boundaries because you you list four boundaries in your book um and and can you list those for me and and tell me the importance of having those boundaries well when we think of boundaries we think of guardrails Mm -hmm. and a guardrail is is just to keep us safe yeah so a a boundary uh, and i think there's personal boundaries that can be established but uh, could be um, a boundary of I, I don't, as, as a guy, maybe I'm deciding, you know, I don't go uh, even to lunch with a female that's not not a, a spouse. Or mm-hmm. um, There's the boundary of impression. Mm-hmm. There's the boundary of uh, where we begin to cross lines that we wouldn't normally cross. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I think there's a boundary of discernment, even mm. about uh, what we talk about, what we'll allow. Uh, are we allowing sexualized conversation? Mm. Are we allowing inappropriate jokes? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's a boundary. Yeah. I think, too, there's, there's boundaries in, in, in how one is presenting themselves and, 
and dress and clothing. Uh, so there is boundaries that, uh, in personal presentation. Yeah. Um, you know, is a person on purpose trying to draw attention mm. to themselves? Mm. Uh, that's something to look at. Mm. So you, you think, wow, there's a lot of in in the workplace <laughs> yeah. uh, boundaries. What am I? What am I allowing or disallowing? Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this: Do you think that men and women, you know, like if it's a, a married man um, and a woman who's not married? Could they even have a, a friendship? Is that possible to have a friendship? You know, if you if one person is married and the other person is not an opposite uh, sex. Well, I I think we want to be um, have friends. I think it's it gets more diluted when there's male female friendship. That I have to ask, what's bringing us together? Mm. What's the basis of this friendship? Yeah, uh, is it a um, casual work relationship. Mm. Uh, what's what's the basis for this relationship? Um, is important to look at. I still would apply all the same rules. I mm-hmm. would not be alone with a another a female. I would not uh, entertain. Um, you know, if you find yourself looking for excuses to see or be with this person, that's a warning sign. Mm. Mm. And I want to talk to you about because I, I've covered this on the show before on uh, one Wednesday. We talked about um, pornography. And so when, sure. we're, when we're talking about, you know, uh, mixed company, uh, how does the effect of pornography in our culture today, uh, you know, I guess, inform the way that we have relationships with the opposite sex, even if it's not anything that is meant to be sexualized, but because of the pervasiveness of, of pornography, how, how does that affect uh, those relationships? You know, um, pornography changes and distorts uh, a relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it changes where the point of focus is or even a, a reason to be in a relationship. Yeah, It also carries the danger of... Uh, let's say a person who uses pornography, they begin to sexualize and that's the only lens that they may look at women, for example. That's how they see, because uh, everything has become sexualized. Mm. So again, Mm. um, it uh, throws off our point of focus and it devalues the relationship. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned uh, in your book, Emotional Adultery. Can you explain exactly what that is, so, you know, just to make that clear, what is emotional adultery? What we're talking about here is uh, maybe not a physical boundary has been crossed, maybe there's not been touching or hugging, or, uh, but in one's mind, there's um, been an emotional bond that's been created Mm -hmm. that creates a false sense of intimacy. Mm. So... Hmm. Um, that false sense of intimacy is, um, I feel close to this person. Sometimes in social media, this happens. Yeah. People, um, it's like instant relationships. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're my <laughs> friend. And you, 
I feel very close and connected to them, but you've never met them in person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's so, uh, those things are so alluring, you know, because you have, you talk about social media, you have a, almost like a secrecy there because no one has to really know, you know, um, if you're talking to someone and there's direct messaging and all this kind of stuff where you can just talk to a person. And I think it, those are the things that try to seep in and that those boundaries, you know, that can be eroded easily, especially if there's no type of, uh, uh, intervention or accountability. Uh, do you on this on this issue? Uh, how important is accountability and being transparent with maybe another brother in Christ and to let them know you know what's going on in your life uh, with your relationships? Well, the accountability is a must, hmm. and it means I have to be truthful. Yes, <laughs> and I have to be able to. Um, allow others to give me feedback. Mm. So true accountability, I, I may not really like it, right. but I am going to be honest, <laughs> yeah. and I need to receive the feedback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's accountability. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's far too um, less of that happening. It's not happening enough. And it may be because we don't, you know, trust people or we just, you know, are embarrassed. I don't know what the deal is, but uh there has to be more of a transparency uh, so that we can overcome some of these issues. Now, doctor, I have, I have six children uh, and our children are being man with this issues. They're being sexualized like big time. There, you know, there, there are cartoons now, you know, that um, depict things, you know, you have uh, the transgender, all this kind of stuff coming through cartoons and, and cereal boxes why is it uh, such a big move in this culture to sexualize our children? Well, you know, I think that also gets a stronghold in a person's life. Mm. And maybe sexuality gets distorted or or my sense of value is through uh, my sexuality. And I, I think in a spiritual way, this is a way of eroding, of eroding who God made us to be. Mm. Yeah. And they seem like they're starting at younger and younger <laughs> ages, you know. Uh, yeah. we're, we're constantly, my wife and I, having to monitor, you know, we, we have, none of our kids have phones. We have uh, tablets and stuff, but they're under our supervision. There's only, you know, a certain time they can use it because it seems like it's coming from everywhere. And even if you have your guard up against those things, you know, you have peer-to-peer influence. You have all these things. You have what's going on in the schools, you know. And praise the Lord, we're able to homeschool our, our children. But, man, you just have all this stuff happening. And I'm like, man, you know, just such a move to sexualize and, and our, our kids and to erase them of their innocence. I want to, to ask you, what are some of the warning signs that a person is sexually ad- addicted? Well, addiction comes with a preoccupation. Um, and so there's a preoccupation that really begins to take priority in my thought. It takes priority ultimately in my actions. Mm. And also there's a sense of whatever behavior a person may be engaging in, then what they do is there's a kind of a guilt and shame. Yeah. And a person says, you know what, I'm not going to ever do that again. <laughs> and then, you know, three days pass and they re-engage <laughs> mm-hmm. and the cycle continues. Yeah. So really what we're talking about now is it's the cycle of addiction. Mm. Wow. And so 
even with that, I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot of uh, people, you know, with various addictions and things like that. What's the first step for a person, uh, in in your opinion, to, to begin to be free from those addictions? Well, uh, we've kind of hinted to one of these, and this is the whole area of accountability, mm-hmm. awareness, moving out of denial. And there reaches a point where you go, my relationships are so important to me, I am willing to do anything. Mm. And I think this really is a, boy, this is a sense of of great um, humility. It's, I'm willing to do anything and yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, even with, with that, um, so the process for recovery, you know, for someone who is at the point where they're like, I want to get rid of this, I want to stop this, the road to recovery beyond accountability, what, what does that look like? And, and how, how hard would you say that is? Well, I think it's very hard. And I think uh, resetting and rebalancing uh, to a healthy sexuality that God designed us mm-hmm. that way, it may mean I have to deal with trauma. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have to deal with my own uh, sexual abuse if it happened to me. Mm. Um, there's so many things that come under our sexual identity. Yeah. I have to deal with uh, just a willingness to have past things healed in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know a lot of the people who are listening uh, right now, the majority are professing Christians. And then, you know, in uh, our leaders, Christian leaders, we it seems like you see a high number, a high number of uh, them fall to sexual sin. Uh, what do you think makes them so susceptible to this uh, addiction and this sin? Well, I think what makes them susceptible is there's uh, uh, probably a lack of accountability in some cases. There's also uh, that position of authority and power and influence. Yeah. And I think there's times where that gets almost delusional. It's like um, the rules don't apply to me, or I can live above the rules. Yeah, and that's a, that's dangerous. Yeah, and I got to imagine, you know, uh, I'm a minister, but I I know that there are, are pastors who are like, well, where do I go? You talk about accountability. Who do I talk to? I can't talk to the church members. I can't talk, you know, and it would have to be somebody who is, I guess, another pastor. But from what you're saying, that is something accountability is necessary, right? It is necessary. And, you know, I also want to say we can move through this and live Mm -hmm. uh, totally different lives. There is hope for this. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Jans. I appreciate you, your time. Thank you for being on with me. Uh, this book is, is a blessing. And I'll say right now, I have a, I'm going to have a copy that we're going to try to give away on Friday. Uh, the book is called Too Close to the Flame by Dr. Greg Jans. And so uh, just a great book, practical information. I'm reading through it, and it's, it's really good. Uh, this has been Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. And we'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.